The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz, and with me on the program today is David Gamboa. He's the Communications Director for Elijah Rising here in Houston, Texas. David, welcome to Engaging Truth. Yeah, glad to be on the show again. David, we're really glad to have you. Um, our listeners who might not be aware of the, of the work that you and Elijah Rising do, um, they, they need to be informed. So you work with um, fighting and preventing human trafficking. Um, let's pretend people who are listening have no idea what that phrase means. Uh, yeah. What do we mean when we talk about human trafficking? Well, human trafficking is, is an umbrella term. So there's labor trafficking and then there's sex trafficking. We focus on sex trafficking. Um, but basically what a, a scenario of sex trafficking includes force, fraud or coercion. When someone is forced to perform a commercial sex act or coerced um, or frauded. And so it's different from smuggling. A lot of people get those two terms confused. Smuggling is bringing someone across you know, borders illegally. Um, and that, that does happen in trafficking situations. Some people can be smuggled into trafficking situations, but typically uh, sex trafficking looks more like prostitution, um, children, women, even men being sold uh, for sex against their will. And, and so it, it's, it's based on this, this, this idea that, that uh, a good number of the people who are involved in this this sex work are are there un, unwillingly unwittingly they 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 don't they don't want to be in it there's another force there's another person that's keeping them in that is that is is that the case with with a lot of what you see in terms of um the sex work that goes on yeah and it, and it has to do with trauma it has to do with they've um actually systematized methods uh to coerce someone to or what they call break someone to um, distance them from their own will, distance them from feeling like they have a choice and forcing them into uh, prostitution. And it's because of a vulnerability. It might be an internal vulnerability. It could be that you're just at an economic disadvantage. It could be that you're a single mom and you have to feed your kids. Um, and so traffickers prey on these vulnerabilities and use them to their advantage to um, turn someone into um, the life of prostitution. Now, this sounds like something that happens out there in, in some other country, in some other part of the world. But but obviously, if this wasn't happening here in in, in where we're recording, you know, this interview in Houston, Texas and, and here in the United States as a whole, I mean, there wouldn't be a need for the work of Elijah Rising. So so how, how bad is this in the United States? Yeah, it's a major problem. I think uh, the U.S. is one of the top consumers of sex in the world. Um, in Houston, we are one of the most diverse cities in the state. We have um, people from all around the world here, but what we commonly see is even domestic women, women that live here in the United States, even children, teens, um, being trafficked um, either through a predator that they've met online um, and also through familial trafficking, which is something that's not often talked about, but we often encounter um, women who have been trafficked by uncles, aunts, mother, father, 
Um, so familial trafficking is also a large thing that's really happening right here in our backyards. Houston has over um, 300 illicit massage parlors where Asian women are trafficked primarily. And then we also see the Latin American trade, which is typically in cantinas in the east side of Houston. And then we have the streets and the hotels and, and occasionally some residential um, spaces. I think there was a major kind of bust in Katy recently um, where they discovered that a pimp was kind of using a home and running out operations out of a residence in Katy. So um, it really spans the spectrum. And we see... Um, a lot of different people involved. It's not primarily one type. Like there's even been a recent story about a world-renowned, you know, apologist and, and Christian speaker who combed a massage parlor and coerced women to perform sex acts. And so um, it really, it, the spectrum is so wide. So, so is it safe to say that, you know, sadly, kind of wherever you live in the country, this in some way, shape or form is is probably happening? Yeah, definitely. And the, and the way that they, the way that traffickers avoid law enforcement is they move from city to city. And so they might be in California one week and they'll come to Houston to go to Las Vegas. Uh, and so it travels. So it does touch, you know, every city. I, I don't, and I've heard that Houston is, you know, it's kind of been labeled as a hub for human trafficking. Um, but it really does happen in, in every major city and even in rural communities. There's also recruiting and grooming happening in rural communities. Uh, it's a major problem that I would, that I believe the sort of source of this growing issue is, can be linked to pornography. Well, we'll, we'll touch on that connection in, in a yeah. moment. But before, before we go there, I, I want uh, our listeners to understand how Elijah Rising works to, to fight against uh, human trafficking, as you described it, and, and protect vulnerable people. Yeah. So we do two things primarily. We reach out to the community and spread awareness. Uh, we engage with churches. We take people on what's called van tours. Um, of course, this is these are all pre-pandemic things that we did. Now we're kind of innovating new ways to do it. But um, so just teaching the community what trafficking looks like um, by doing these van tours across the city, educating. And then we also do outreaches. Um, where we go to places where prostitution is common and we make a presence there and we begin to build relationships with the hopes of um, women there trusting us to help them out of that life into a new life. And so that leads typically into some sort of shelter. And then we also provide a long-term care solution. So once a woman exits a trafficking situation, she goes to a short-term shelter um, then she'll be eligible to come into our long-term restorative care, which is one to two years. We provide housing, uh, trauma therapy, food, clothing, and it's basically a, a two-year intensive to, to kind of rebuild your life with the hope of, you know, living independently. So, so is, is there something that can be done, you know, by individuals and, and by churches to, to help vulnerable people even before they, they, they become kind of prey for uh, someone who's going to uh, enroll them in human in human trafficking in in some some uh, illicit sex work, um, because because vulnerable people uh, abound, people who are yeah. who are who are susceptible to someone leveraging their vulnerabilities and forcing them into something they don't want to do. Is, is there something that that before that happens, that people who have a heart for uh, for, for uh, eradicating this can, can do to to help people before they they even become prey? 
Yeah, I think educating and and just sharing word of mouth what you've learned about trafficking. Um, we we talk a lot about what's called the grooming process, and and what a grooming process is is where an individual encounters someone with a vulnerability. So it could be a teenager that's online. Let's say they post something on Instagram saying they've had a really rough week or they're angry with their parents. You know, predators can spot this stuff out and they see that vulnerability and they begin what's called a grooming process where they begin to befriend the teenager. They begin to shower them with gifts. Um, they begin to desensitize them, exposing them to things like pornography, drugs, alcohol. And once this process begins to take shape, um, relationships are severed. So they distance them from friends, family. They begin to sell them this dream of, oh, you know, you're going to live a better life. You're going to be a model and, and we have all this money and just come work with us and we can build, you know, our brand. We can build our empire. So they sell them this dream. And, you know, uh, after they, let's say they leave home and go to a different city, they find out they're going to be sold on the street and they might even be threatened with, hey, you know, if if you run away from us or if you um, don't work in prostitution, we're going to send, you know, these pornographic photos to all of your friends in your high school or send this to your family or harm one of your family members or friend members. So that becomes threats. And and this is sort of a process that we commonly see. And the parents that we interact with um, on the on the other side of, you know, their kids being groomed into trafficking, they they begin to realize, oh, I just thought this was something that all teens did, Go, you know, do drugs, drink, go to parties. Um, but those can be signs and um, having friends online that they're constantly connected with. You know, these are things that, you know, are common amongst teenagers. But if we're aware and we're able to see those red flags, we can begin to prevent um, some of those things before they start. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. and perhaps this just reflects, you know, some of my ignorance. You know, when I think of a vulnerable person, uh, I think of someone who's who's homeless or, or, or jobless or addicted and certainly that they're vulnerable. Um, but, but you just described a, an, an, just an angst ridden teenager, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and that wouldn't immediately, I've got one of those at home that wouldn't immediately <laughs> cross my mind as someone who's, who's vulnerable to this, but, 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 it, but it makes total sense. And, and are, are you saying that, that those who are fighting this, like the folks at Elijah rising and other organizations, you, you're seeing social media, as an entree point to teenagers as, as, as an access point into all this stuff. Is that, that's a very common thing. Yeah, absolutely. And even with the pandemic, I mean, more and more people are on social media. There's a, a platform called TikTok, and many people are on TikTok. Um, but there's also, we've also seen young teens find ways to make money through selling uh, nude images of themselves online where people can subscribe to their accounts and they're able to post um, nude images and they receive income. And so all of these ways are basically entry points for a trafficker to come in and spot someone who's already sort of beginning to experiment and is curious. They can begin to take that vulnerability and begin to exploit that. And it's really it's a trend that we're seeing and it's just kind of being glamorized in, you know, culture and music. And uh, it's just kind of brushed off as, you know, sex is casual and this OK thing and even pornography is normalized. Uh, but it's a huge problem 
because children don't, often don't understand how they can be psychologically manipulated to do something that they would never think of themselves doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine it's extra confusing in a culture that, as you, know, as you, as you said, is, is glamorizing this kind of hypersexualization that, um, that part of the, part of the, the, the cell to someone who's vulnerable is that this is empowerment. Well, we, yeah. we are we, we are empowering you. We're, we're platforming you. We're we're going to make you an influencer. Uh, all you have to do is send us some pictures, and then you know if you disagree with us, we're going to use those things against you, right? Yeah, and that's that's the kind of culture that social media, unfortunately, has created. Where if you show a risque photo, it's probably going to get more likes. It's probably going to yeah. get more attention. And so for a young teen who maybe you know might have some image issues, who might feel like they're not beautiful or that they're not worthy, you know that can can feed into that vulnerability. Now, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned a connection between you know human trafficking and and pornography. Uh, help our listener understand how those two things are connected, because m- my guess is going to be that that, um, that that they're assuming that that pornography that's produced for uh, for 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 the consumption of the individual and the and the privacy of their own home is is disconnected from from this terrible stuff that you're describing now. But 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 you you propose that that those two things are connected. Uh, how so? Yeah, so we saw a massive explosion in sex trafficking. Even today, people who haven't heard about it maybe 10 or 20 years ago, it's all over the news. We're hearing news stories about it every time. So there has to be some factor that's contributing to that. Um, and when you look at porn sites, I like to compare it to Google. Google um, typically, I mean, they sell a couple of products, but primarily they make most of their revenue off of ads. And those ads are funded by just people using their service, going to their site. Like it's free to search. We don't have to pay Google $2 to have a search. It's a free site. And um, so similarly, that's how these porn sites operate. Most of these sites are free. You can go on any iPhone. You can go on any webcam or any computer, go to these sites and view pornography. And basically what these sites are is this advertising for sex trafficking. When you go to a porn site, you're going to be targeted to um, hook up with local girls. You're going to see all these types of ads driving you to local area strip clubs or local um, women that want to meet you. And that becomes a, a pathway into for men who are, you know, maybe struggling with an addiction since they were 16 years old. They eventually get to the point where, you know, pornography is not enough. They actually want to try going to a strip club or going to a brothel purchasing women and this is where the problem begins to perpetuate is that we have a such a huge demand that um, traffickers are motivated to go out and recruit more women to sort of meet this growing demand and is it true that some of the content that that's on these these more more kind of popular pornography sites that some of that content is created by traffickers yeah. Um, utilizing some of these vulnerable people and, and that some of the content people may be viewing is actually of these these abused women, uh, in some cases children and men. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the scary thing is that when someone is watching a video that's on a porn site, they're not able to know if the person consented to it. Um, they're not able to even know their age. They could be watching child pornography. And what happens is traffickers will use these images um, not only to advertise women and children that they're selling, but also to use it as blackmail, um, what's called sextortion, um, 
and and it and it creates a, a prison, an invisible prison where these images of you are online and there's nothing you can do to remove it. And that's kind of the current battle right now where um, a lot of women had their videos uploaded to a popular site and they had no way to remove the video, even after they had been rescued out of their trafficking situation, even after they had pleaded with the company. Um, so it's creating these, these massive issues with um, the Internet and, and what, is, what type of content is able to be uploaded. Uh, it's user-generated, so it's not typically just one company, but, um, yeah, it's a huge issue. There, there was a story in the news uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, about about a major provider of pornography uh, having to remove uh, a good amount of its content that was that was user generated, yeah, be, be, because people people didn't know what the source was and and uh, there was there was there was an, uh, a fear that it was. Uh, utilizing uh, vulnerable people against their will. Um, tell us about that story and why that's important. Yeah, this is a, a major victory. I think two, over 2 million people signed this petition to bring awareness to um, the child sexual abuse images and videos that were on this site, as well as videos posted without consent. And so this company had no way of verifying those videos um, a had consent. A there was no sort of formal age verification on the people uploading the videos, and um, so more and more women began to came, come forward and say, "Hey, these were videos uploaded to me when I was a child, um, being sexually abused to this site." And um, one girl even had to fake her identity as a lawyer to to uh, threaten the company to get them to remove videos of her. Uh, being raped as a teenager. And um, this site was eventually put under so much pressure that um, a New York Times journalist did a story um, about it and interviewed one of the young girls who was trafficked on that site. And because of that, uh, MasterCard, Visa, some major credit card companies began to pull their support for this site. And um, that forced them to, to begin to make some choices. Uh, so they removed videos, but there's still, you know, a lot of legislation um, that needs to move forward to be sure that restitution is provided to the victims, um, which um, this site has, has not really admitted uh, formally to, to any wrongdoing. And, and it's a it's a massive story for a, n- a number of reasons, but but one of them being that you know this website makes makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Um, I don't know if our listeners understand this, but, but pornography is one of America's biggest businesses. Yeah. Um, I mean, it it makes more money in, you know, I've heard, I've seen some stats that say it it makes more money when you, when you combine it all together than, than all the major sports teams combined. So, you know, this is America's, you know, not so secret pastime. Right. And, and so, and so for this major provider of content to all of a sudden have to be accountable for, for trafficking illicit images with unknown sources um, at the threat of their whole business model falling apart. That, that, that's really huge. That's really, really huge. Yeah. And I think it's a sign that people are, are kind of waking up and realizing like, Hey, this is, this is not okay. What we've kind of labeled as normal, just something that, you know, normal teens do. Um, I think societies begin to realize like, this is not okay. This is, this is actually extremely abusive to the people that are, on film, and it's also bringing awareness to the issue of trafficking, which is happening in our cities. 
And, and what was interesting in some of the stories that, that I read connected to this was that users of this site were surprised how little content, once all of this illicit content was taken, I mean, it's all illicit, but, but this, this user-generated content was taken down, how little content remained by contrast. So yeah. the, the enormous amount of content that was being provided by this website what, that, that was user-generated and, 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 and a good amount of it is produced by, by, vulnerable, by vulnerable people or at the very least has, has unknown origins. Um, so so it's, a, it's a huge aspect of, of what's being offered in kind of the pornography marketplace. Yeah, and, and porn even still continues to um, be one of the, I think it's like the fourth or fifth. It ranges between, you know, top 10 websites visited in the United States. And it's up there with like Google. And that's just crazy to me to think that three, you know, porn and, and all these porn sites are managed by this main sort of, uh, it's actually a conglomerate that's um, that multiple porn sites are kind of under this one umbrella. So the movements, we believe that if we can just target this one major company and hold them liable, that um, we can see a massive shift in sort of the online uh, sex trade. Absolutely. And and I think it's it's an important thing that you bring to light for, for our listener that that uh, ho- hopefully as they hear about human trafficking, they are obviously horrified by it, but for them also to understand that, that, um, you know, pornography on its own is destructive for a, for a whole bunch of different reasons, but, but that they, they could be contributing to human trafficking by creating more demand for this, this content that comes at the expense of, of vulnerable people being abused so, so when you view this content, you create a demand for more of it, and you can also be making money for people who are, who are trying to to sell ads, um, u- yeah. utilizing this content. And so, there's a direct connection from what happens on someone's phone they think in secret to what's what's happening to to uh, to women and girls and men around the country who are being forced to produce this content against their wills. Yeah, it creates the economy that sex trafficking thrives under. Uh, so, so David, we've got ab- about a minute and a half left. Um, really quickly, t- tell us tell us what's happening this month, the month of January 2021. What's going on right now in the world of human trafficking? Yeah, so this month is National Trafficking Prevention Month, and so there's a lot of organizations that are out doing great work and spreading awareness, um, educating communities on what trafficking is. And um, we actually have a webinar coming up on January 27th that's free to the public. And we're going to be talking specifically about human trafficking in Houston, what it looks like. Um, if you're a parent, you're going to learn about the grooming process and how you can spot the red flags of that and just how you can engage with your community to prevent trafficking from happening. Where can people go to, to sign up for that webinar? Yeah, so you can go to ElijahRising.org, and we have a main banner right up top, and you can just go ahead and register, and we'll send you a link. We're going to host it on Zoom, so you know, be sure to download Zoom and, and join us online. It's going to be January 27th at noon. And at ElijahRising.org, there are other ways people can, uh, can discover to support the ministry uh, that you do, correct? Yeah, so uh, if you want to become a monthly donor, that's a huge uh, support. We, we're able to count on that every month. And we also have a podcast called the Elijah Rising Podcast, and that's just a great way to be educated about trafficking. We also have some other resources that you can download for free. 
David Gamboa of Elijah Rising, thanks so much for being with us on Engaging Truth. Thanks, Matt. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.